0: Thank you very much for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire here at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant-filled life. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this sermon. If you will, let's stand with me and let's read the Word of the Lord together. We're going to work through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-13. through 13. I'm reading to you the entire passage here for context. Uh, But we're going to uh, focus really on one point uh, today, and uh, we'll do a a fairly lengthy introduction, uh, focus on one point and have a time of prayer uh, uh, over some individuals in our church. And so I want to begin um, by reading to you at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul here, writing to the Corinthian church, says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good." For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to look to your Word. We thank you for this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church to help them better understand uh, their gifting and their place in the body. Lord, I pray that in this moment you will lead us by the power of the Spirit. You will help me to communicate effectively for your glory, Lord, and help each of us to be faithful hearers and doers of the Word. And we just continue to invite your Spirit here, to lead us and to guide us, Lord, according to your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, over since, over the last few weeks, since the beginning of uh, January, I've been working through some foundational uh, thoughts as it relates to Riverstone uh, Church. And I uh, just want to kind of rehearse just quickly the themes of each of the messages. On the first Sunday of January, we talked about our place in worshiping Jesus. That's who we're about as a church. We're about the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I worshiping him individually, but also uh, collectively. Secondly, we talked about living joyfully before the Lord, that this journey with Jesus Even though we may be in seasons where it is difficult, where uh, trials and challenges face us, we can face them with joy knowing that Jesus has gone on before us and that we have a hope of looking forward to what the Lord has called us to do and when we will be with him uh, eternally. Last week, uh, we talked about advocating uh, for life. We talked about uh, you and I being part of one race, the human race, and bearing the image of God and how important it is for you and I to respect the image of God that is in every person from conception through natural death, you and I are to respect life in all of its forms, in all of its diversity uh, to the glory of God. Amen. And then today we will look at finding purpose. What is your purpose? purpose, finding purpose in the body of Christ. The Corinthian church had uh, some uh, problems, some challenges that were going on as churches do from time to time. That's a a natural effect at times of, of churches and natural in the church of the sanctification process of believers individually. And the church Corporately, that from time to time there are some challenges, and the Corinthian church uh, at time had had some doozies. Uh, They had some pretty big concerns that needed to be addressed from uh, time to time, and the Apostle Paul is addressing uh, those concerns both in this letter and uh, 2 Corinthians. In fact, many scholars believe that uh, Paul actually wrote four letters to the Corinthians, and we only have two of them. So he was in constant dialogue with the Corinthian church about how they were to live with one another, how they were to believe in Jesus, how they were to walk that out out uh, faithfully. He's addressing in this letter some concerns about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit during uh, the worship service, about uh, communion, how to receive uh, the Lord's Supper. And we get to chapter 12 and beginning out in uh, the first few verses there, and what he speaks to the Corinthian church and what I believe he speaks to us is that one of the first steps of finding Purpose is finding God. You cannot know your purpose without knowing Jesus. We can all talk about what someone's destiny is and we can take tests and we can try to figure out what career field and other things that are going on, but you can't find purpose, true purpose, without Jesus. You have to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have purpose in your life. And in verses one through three, Paul sees two types of people in the world. In essence, those who are in relationship with Jesus and those who aren't. He identifies them as dumb idol worshipers, pagans. The word mute there means dumb. They can't hear or speak. Box of wood carved in... To deities. And so someone was having a difficulty in their life during this time, and they thought, well, maybe one of the gods is upset with me. And so they would go outside, they would get a piece of wood, they would chop it down, and they would uh, hone it out, and they would begin to identify it as their deity. So maybe you were a farmer and you needed it to rain. And so you're going to cry out to some deity that is able to produce rain on the earth. And so if you were a pagan in this era, what you would do is you may go out and you may say, I need to find this God and worship this God. And so you would get a piece of wood, chop it down, carve it yourself, make it in an image that your mind came up with, and then you would bow down and worship it pay homage to it, doesn't talk to you, can't do anything for you, can't help you, doesn't make it rain, but in your mind you've identified something you can worship. But maybe it's not rain. Maybe it's infertility. Maybe you want to have a child and you can't have a child. Well, the rain god can't do that, so now you have to go and you have to find another god, so you chop down another tree. Or you go get a rock and you start carving it. And now you have two gods that you have to worship. Sometimes these gods might get upset with one another. So you've got to pray and you've got to keep them happy with you. Maybe there's someone that's being wicked to you, doing things against you, and you need another god to help solve that problem. So you go find something else. Chop down another tree carve that one according to what's in your brain. And now you have three gods to worship, and so it multiplied over and over again. And in our enlightened Western mind, we think, how stupid and how silly. Really? Really? How often do we worship this? and create something that's out of our mind with what this can purchase. See, we moved from cash. I don't even have any. (laughs) But now we have an unlimited buying power that I don't even have to pay for right now. It doesn't cost me anything this afternoon to go out and to go out to eat. I just put it on this little card, and i have to deal with it later. making gods in our image. We create our houses. We like certain things. We put our houses in the way that we want to think them through. And so we, too, create our own gods, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in uh, our finances or whatever. So when we, we want to be quick to throw off on the first century and before in the worship of pagan deities, it is much more refined in our day, but it still happens. Two types of people, those who are dumb, idle, Worshippers, this credit card can't talk to me. It can't give me wisdom. It can't lead me in the right way. It can't tell me what I should do. I tell it what to do. Just like that was created in the image of the person who cut it down and began to uh, carve it up. Mute dumb idols, blocks of wood carved into deities. Paul sees that sign or he sees spirit-empowered confession-making churchgoers, ones who are able to truly confess that Jesus is Lord. And what Paul means by that is, it's, you can utter the words, Jesus is Lord, without the Spirit, but a public confession of personal faith and a living Savior in front of a world that is hostile. No one could maintain such a confession in the first century or any other culture except by the Spirit. And I believe that there's coming a day in our own culture where you and I will be required to give an account at times, maybe even before the authorities. And it will only be those who are spirit-empowered, true believers who can make the confession Jesus is Lord that will hold fast to faith till the end. That's why right now, you and I must do all we can with all we have to make sure we are walking in the grace of sanctification to see the Lord Jesus Christ continually form and reform our life in his image. So that when that time comes, we do not hesitate. Christians, Stand outside and over against all of these other deities and lords that are created by the world that demand loyalty and allegiance over their devotees. Think about our culture today. If you speak the truth of Scripture about what it means to not kill a child when it is in the womb. If you speak the truth of Scripture that Genesis says he created them male and female, that there is a biological distinction that informs how we ought to live. If we were to proclaim this in the public square, we are proclaimed as hate mongers. Rushing against the deities that are being worshiped by those who do not know Christ. They will seek to force you to bow at their altar. But Jesus is Lord, and we proclaim him as Lord. He is supreme over every political, cosmic principality and Power. When we proclaim that Jesus is Lord and mean it and adhere to it through everything until death, it requires someone to walk in spirit empowerment. First 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we read through this passage, what we see over and over again is that Paul sees the truly spiritual person as driven into the life of the church, not individual spirituality, but who sees themselves as driven to other people in a community of faith and sees that local expression of church as a personal commitment to Jesus. I'm going to be in church with other people who believe the same way, who exalt Jesus with me because I see that I need this in my life. It is part of my worship to the Lord. And everything that comes after in verses 4 through 13 in this text addresses those who truly believe. So if we talk about finding purpose, again, you cannot find true purpose apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15 verses four and five says, remain in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You can't bear fruit of itself, of yourself. You can't be doing your own thing. I love Jesus. I'm over here doing my thing. You can't bear fruit of yourself. You must remain in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, in Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First step in finding purpose, finding where you belong, finding your place, finding the area where you are to serve and engage is finding God. You will not find purpose apart from Jesus. How many times have I said that now? You will not find purpose apart from Jesus. When you found the Lord, verse 7 tells us, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. Not my good, but the common good. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the joy of being in the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this is the point of the message. No other points beyond this. If you break this verse down, each person is given a manifestation. Everyone in the church has a gift to be used. But a gift is only enjoyable if it is employable. I made that up myself. <laughs> if I were to come over to your house at Christmas time and I were to give you this gift and you were to put it under your tree and at Christmas day comes along and you don't open it, is it doing you any good? In the middle of January comes and it's still sitting there and it's still sitting there and it's still sitting there and it's still sitting there, it's not doing you any good, is it? Because it's not being employed. It's not being utilized. You don't know what it is. You've not opened it. You can't use it. You can't engage with it. You can't even be thankful for it because you don't know what it is. It could be anything in this box. But if you're not willing to open it, If you're not willing to receive it, if you're not willing to employ it for its intended use, you can't enjoy it. But to every person is given a manifestation. If you're here this morning, you say, Jesus is Lord, that's your confession. God has gifted you to employ that in service. This church, we want you to open your gift. We want you to use it here. This is not a closed group. We're not going to be a closed group. We're not. If you're here this morning and you have a gift, use it here. Use it here. Each person is given a manifestation, verse 7 says. It says the manifestation is a gift of the Spirit. Your gifting is a work of the Spirit in you. And God's gracious care, he has thought of you specifically. If you say Jesus is Lord, think God of the universe has thought of you specifically to give you a gift for this specific moment in time to be employed at this specific place. God thought of you. There's not one of you here that God hasn't thought of. Not one. No matter what you think of yourself, no matter what journey you've been on, no matter what you've been through, if today you can make the confession with sincerity in your heart that Jesus is Lord of my life, then you have a gift that the Spirit has given you specifically. He has thought of you and given you a gift for his own glory. You can read through verses 8 through 10. It shares some of those giftings, some of what those giftings are. And you and I ought to have joy in using those giftings for the glory of God. Verse 7 finishes out and it says, The Spirit gives these gifts for the common good. Your gift is for the good of everyone else here the common good, the good of the church. When you look around, you've been given a gift, not just to use it in your business, not just to use it to kind of grow your own kingdom, but you've been given a gift to use it here for the people in this room. That's why we have to love one another and care for one another and encourage one another because God has gifted you in this moment to employ your gift to benefit the people who are sitting in this room. And not only that, but to think about those who are outside of the room who will be coming to be part of it. There are some of you who are so gifted in evangelism, so gifted in sharing the gospel, so gifted in walking up. You could walk up to a fence post and share the gospel. It's just that close in you. It's on your lips all the time. God has gifted you for that. Some of you, God has gifted to study and understand the scriptures. You're thinking as I'm preaching, he didn't get that just right. <laughs> that, that's not the perfect, that's not, that's a gift that God has given you to employ. Some of you, if I mention someone is in need, your heart immediately breaks, and you're concerned, and you're driven to pray, and you want to help, you want to do something tangible. That's your gift. It's for the body. For the common good, you have a gift. But that gift is to benefit the local assembly of believers, Hebrews tells us, don't, don't Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together as it is the habit of some, but gather together all the more even as you see the day approaching. And so I have to think about that scripture and think about other scriptures that command and tell us to be part of the body of Christ and engage in the body of Christ and serve in the body of Christ and love those who we are in fellowship with. This is why even in weeks past I've said we've got to get to know one another. People who aren't like you invite into your house. People who you think may think, I don't really think I'm going to jive with that person. Jive with that person in your house. Invite them to dinner. Get to know them. Get to understand who they are because we've got to love one another here in this room. And as we love one another here in this room, we will see the glory of the Lord manifest among us. We'll pray together. We'll long together. We won't talk about one another. We won't gossip about one another because we love one another. And when I read about the gathering together and how the gathering together is to happen, all the more as you see the day approaching, what that tells me is that there is a day approaching and I ought to be able to see the day approaching. And so as I look out right now, I see the day approaching. Do you all see the day approaching? I see the day approaching. And so God gives us some insight. We can't say it's going to be January 31st at 9 a.m., but we can say it is coming. It's not That far off, it's happening, it's coming. And so the Bible says, gather together, engage together, be in fellowship together, enjoy your uh, manifestation of the gifts I have given you together all the more as you see the day approaching. And then what happens as we see the day approaching? Pestilence comes upon the earth. Pestilence comes upon the earth. And what do our political and governmental leaders say, stop joining together. Now, we can all say, and I don't disagree, that there is some wisdom in some of that. But we have to be nimble in that we recognize that there is benefit in the body gathering together. And as we recognize that there is wisdom in the body gathering together and the scripture commands it as we see the day approaching, what we also have to realize is that Satan is fighting against it. So my concern as a pastor is not those who are watching online because they have health challenges and it is best for them to be there online for this season of time because of health issues. My concern as a pastor is for people who are healthy who just have decided not to come. Who've just said, I've been in church all my life and I'm enjoying this break. Because what happens in that moment, they've been given a gift to employ and now that gift's gone. There's a missing piece. Not finding joy in the body. I want to illustrate this further to you and very personally. Toby, if you could help me with those chairs, please, brother. Many of you are using your gifting for the body, this local body. And as part of this message on finding purpose, I want to highlight four individuals who have found purpose in this local church and who are helping, and I want to identify them because you need to know who they are because they've helped uh, gen- generally from, uh, from the beginning or the inception of this year in the church. It's important for us to know who these people are. So I'm going to start uh, from the beginning. There have been many people who've helped at this church, many people who have helped to bring Riverstone into existence. Some of you wonder why Riverstone came into existence, uh, and I'll tell you the Lord brought it into existence. We can think of all logistical reasons, but what I can say to you of a surety is that God brought it into existence. It was God's plan and God's purpose. However, that happened. And there'll be a time when that story is written, but today I want to focus on those who are called by God to serve this church in a vocational capacity. What I will say before we start this out, God brought this team together. God brought this team together. God spoke to them. You need to know that. God spoke to them. We didn't advertise a position, we didn't go out. God spoke to them. Positions were not created, They just started fulfilling their gifting and it was the exact need of the body at the exact time The exact need of the body at the exact time chris if you'll come and sit Please i'm not commanding you i'm asking (laughs) (laughs) I already think about the initial vision of this church. Uh chris is where it starts because uh he and I had talked uh, many years ago. We would talk on the phone when I was in Tennessee and he was in Maine about planting a church. And I actually said, hey, come, let's do it in Chattanooga. Let's plant a church in Chattanooga. And he said, what in the world is in Chattanooga? I'm not going to Chattanooga. <laughs> and, and we would talk periodically about what was going on. And in uh, the uh, late, uh, early, late December, early January of last year, uh, Chris came along and said, I think it's time to plant a church. And I would say Riverstone probably would not exist if it were not for the Lord using this brother to advocate for a new and a different type of church uh, in this city. He knew his purpose. At the beginning, as he and I were talking, I said, you need to be the pastor. You need to be the one leading it. And he would say, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to it. He knew his purpose. He knew his gifting. When I see Chris, Chris prays. He leads outreaches. He gives counsel. He brings joy. When he preaches, you know, I think, oh, he's telling all these jokes. They're corny jokes sometimes. (laughs) But he brings joy. He leads humbly. (laughs) Just the last few days as I thought about this message and thought about him, he's helped to lead prayer in Stanton for a potential church launch. He's led worship at Celebrate Recovery. He's led prayer on Friday evening. He's handed out food. He's shared the gospel on Saturday. He's investing in teens on Saturday evening. He's in both services today to help however he can, all with a joyful, humble heart. Chris's primary focus at Riverstone is in outreach and evangelism. Autumn, if you will join us, please. Using his gift for the glory of God. Autumn came along in the early days of the church as well, and she has helped to bring organization to what was growing. She's volunteered her time from the beginning. She's helped to build and train and staff teams, our engaged team that serves serves on Sunday morning, the children's team, launching home groups and others. She leads a ladies' Bible study, does weekly devotionals online, all while leading an organization that blesses women, International Women's Ministry. Her primary focus at Riverstone continues to be building teams and helping people find their place to serve. Brother Jay, if you would join us up here, please. Jay and I have known each other, I guess, for over 20 years now in some form or another. Jay and I met for breakfast one morning back in the early summer. I remember that in Tennessee, when we were in Tennessee, I visited a church, and I saw the careful attention that this brother has given to handling the Word of God. When he came to Riverstone, I kept thinking of a leadership book that I became acquainted with in seminary called uh, Good to Great. It's written by a guy named Jim Collins, and it's really a business book, and it examines... Uh, how certain businesses, when all things are uh, equal, how certain businesses take off but others stay flat within the same field. So one of the things that this book looked at was uh, during a season of about 15 years, Walgreens shot off the map while CVS and Rite Aid stayed flat. What What did Walgreens do that made it take off? And it looked at like 15 businesses that that happened in and identified certain principles out of those businesses that really flip. I'm not a fan of taking business and making it into a church. Church is not a business. I'm not a fan of that. But I am a fan of is looking at what principles can be applicable. And in this case, the applicability of that book was what what the author said was, Good organizations find the right people, even if they don't have an exact place for them right then, and they get them on the bus and find a seat for them later. Because they'll be nimble, they've got the vision, they've got the understanding, but they'll be nimble and serve wherever is needed. And oftentimes, whenever he leaves, he'll say, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. He brings a godly reason wisdom to the table. He's currently serving by teaching men's study on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m., leading a home group on Wednesdays, meeting one-on-one for discipleship with other brothers, helping to put together the Riverstone Discipleship Institute, which we were having breakfast one morning and talking, and I was like, in my mind, that's it. That's the seat. That's the seat. That's the seat. This is the seat. We're going to develop this into a training ground for church leaders. This is the seat, and that will be a training center for future pastors, leaders, who we hope to put in other places where they will be called to fill a church where Chris is praying and evangelizing. Autumn will help them begin to organize their teams, and Jay will be a primary force to help train and develop them. Praise the Lord. Noel, if you will join me, brother. Noel essentially grew up in a Bible college in the Dominican Republic. As a child, he grew up in poverty. He is one of the most humble and godly men I know. When I walk in the church, I often will walk by and I can look through that glass back there and I see him up here praying. I see him up here spending time with the Lord. He's here in the sanctuary seeking God. He's skilled administratively, but administration is not his calling. He could do it. He's gifted at it, but that's not his calling. His calling is to be a herald of the good news. Anywhere help is needed, Noel is there when they call from Kroger. We've got food. Noel's one of the ones, along with Chris, along with Brother David, and maybe a few others, who will go and pick it up and bring it and say, let's go out and let's hand it out. Let's go. Let's give it out. I see him as a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. He's a son of encouragement, a prayer warrior, one who loves the Lord and seeks the Lord. God brought these four. They all have experience well beyond my experience. And they're gifted and they're able. Chris and I are the only two who will be considered uh, full-time at the church. You need to know that. Noel is helping us to reach in Latin America as a missionary educator. He's regularly engaging with pastors and leaders via Zoom to teach, train, and instruct. He's helping us, Lord willing, to launch a Spanish ministry and what we ultimately hope will be a Spanish church here at Riverstone. Amen. And I could tell you what we're going to do as a church, we're going to embrace it as a full-fledged church. I am so excited about this. You know, all the things that we do on Sunday morning for the English-speaking church, we're going to develop a team by God's grace who's gifted, who will do all those same things for a Spanish congregation in Charlottesville. It's not going to be second rate. I pray God helps us and gives us wisdom to develop a website that's geared toward Spanish population in Charlottesville who can't speak English, but they might go and we develop his business card. I want one side to be Spanish and one side to be English because there is an entire population in our community that needs to hear the gospel message and needs to have a place to worship. And they have, don't they, brother, unique challenges, different challenges in terms of getting to church and thoughts right now in this season of time that we believe that God will bless him to make inroads. As I mentioned, Chris and I are the only ones out of this group that would be considered at this point full-time at Riverstone in terms of our compensation. Autumn and Jay and Noel serve as either part-time or what I would call periodic blessing. The church gives something periodically to encourage their work and ministry with the hope that something more consistent and significant can be given in time. They've not asked for anything. But you know what they did? They want to fulfill their calling. They want to fulfill the gifting. They have a gift that they want to employ for the benefit of you and me. And any one of these has enough experience in their background to go and do their own thing on the side and be blessed by it. But yet they've said, no, I'm going to be invested in local church ministry. I'm going to be invested in the place where God has planted me. And though I can use my giftings out here, I'm gonna use them in here as well using their giftings for the glory of God. And so at times their families have gone through uh, sacrifice. As a congregation, as a body, it's important for us to know that. And so what I want to encourage you to do as time moves on and as you pray and as you seek the Lord about what God is doing, you feel comfortable to bless. Whether it's through the church, whether it's directly, whatever God leads you to do, you feel comfortable to bless. And as God equips the church to do more, we will do more. But what I want to ask at this moment is that you would stand with me and we're going to pray. If you feel comfortable, I think they're comfortable. If you feel comfortable coming and laying hands on them, I would ask you to come and do that. Ladies come and lay hands on Autumn, brothers, these men who are sitting here, I'm going to ask you to pray for them, that God would equip them, empower them, bless them, encourage them, and be, that they would be the light and use this gift that God has given them to help us. That's their purpose, to help us for God's glory. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we come before you with thanksgiving in our heart. God, I thank you for these four who have come, and I, Lord, acknowledge the ministry that you have entrusted to them. As a local church, we acknowledge the ministry that you have entrusted to these four individuals, God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that it would grow and produce much fruit for your glory. God, we pray that they would feel loved here, cared for here, God, that this body would build them up and encourage them. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your kindness and graciousness in bringing them here. God, as you have led them to come to this place, God, you have helped us to see and understand what you are doing and how you are leading this church for your glory. God, as you have brought them to partner, Lord Jesus, it has been the right time, the right opportunity. When we needed to uh, be evangelistic and focus ourselves on the evangelism of our community, you gave a voice to Chris, oh God when we needed to begin organizing and putting things in place and helping a structure to form you brought autumn when we needed to begin talking about doctrine and how it affects people and begin to solidify that and help launch people into ministry God, you brought Jay God, when you saw a community both in Latin America and in Charlottesville that is in need of a gospel witness Lord Jesus you brought Noel Oh God, you have brought them at the right time for your glory But God, we also realize that these are people. People. People who walk through struggle. People who have their own doubts. People who wonder what is ahead. People who think about, how am I gonna make it work this week? People. Yes, they trust the Lord, they love Jesus. but they are people. And so God, I pray right now by your gracious hand, that you would encourage them and that in this moment they would feel the overwhelming love of brothers and sisters in Christ who are rooting for them and praying for them. And Lord, that they would continue to be the example to each and every one of us, oh God, to employ our gifting for the service of this body. God, I thank you for what you were doing at Riverstone Church. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, that you have called this people together, that we would be a witness and a light in this community. And I pray, God, by your grace, that you would help us to continue to stand firm in the authority of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for these opportunities of prayer, Lord. And God, today we do acknowledge these brothers and this sister and the ministry that you have entrusted to them. And I pray, God, your hand to rest upon them today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to serve together. And I pray, oh God, by your grace, that as long as we live, we would have joy in serving you. We'd have joy in serving you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you for it. We thank you for your grace and mercy and kindness. We thank you for your love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. We ask it, amen. amen. Thank you again for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope you enjoyed today's message and that it encouraged you to take a step closer to Jesus. Please reach out to us if there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about. To get more information about Riverstone Church, you can visit riverstonechurch.net. God bless you this week, and may you walk in all of Christ's promises and plans for your life.